three-week series of messages finishing what we started last year. And uh, a book that I read years ago that really got me thinking about the things that are going on inside our lives is a book by Andy Stanley called Enemies of the Heart. And uh, if you want to dig a little bit deeper into some of the stuff I've been sharing about, I couldn't recommend a better book. That's Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. So now, if you missed the series we did last year, don't worry about it. I am going to try to do a miracle and summarize four weeks of messages in one 35-minute block. What do you reckon? Can I do it? Who reckons I can do it? That's faith. That's very good. So, um, and so I do, I'm, I just, I'm going to skim on some thoughts, and I want to encourage you, when our website's back up, you can download the rest of the content uh, of our website when it's back up and running. I do want to bring us up to date. I want to review where we got to. And our, our series is called Assassins, dealing with the enemies inside our heart, dealing with four things that can destroy our lives, destroy our marriages, destroy our character, destroy everything that we build our life around. Four things, four, four assassins that live inside the shadows of our heart waiting for an opportunity to strike, an opportunity to poison our hearts and our minds and our souls. And so the Bible describes the enemy like this. Peter would tell us to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter is saying to the church, he said, guys, be careful. Watch out. There is an enemy of our souls that is looking for someone to devour. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Now, there's another half of that verse, which I'll tell you about later, because it's far better than that part. But it tells us that the enemy, there's a very real enemy whose purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And the question I want to keep talking about throughout this series is, how is your heart? How is your heart? I'm not talking about our physical heart. Yes, we need to look after our physical heart. You've got to eat well, exercise. You know, you've got to try to stress less. All the doctors here would say, yes, look after your physical heart. It's important you do that because once that stops, everything stops. But I am talking about the invisible heart, the one on the inside that, that loves and cares and celebrates and, 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 and experiences joy and experiences grief. The, that, that heart on the inside that, that it's some, it can, can be happy and, and say words and, and nice words one day and then the next day spit out words and you're wondering, where did that come from? Have you ever had that happen to you? happens to me, I'm thinking, Mark, where do those words come from? I didn't mean to say that. Jesus tells us, it comes from my heart. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And so... The heart is the same one that loves and cares is the same heart that gets anger, gets jealous, gets bitter, and gets full of guilt. It's the heart where our relationship can flourish. Our families and friendships can flourish. That's, that's the realm of the heart. But it's also the realm where our relationships can be destroyed and damaged. That's the heart. And that's the target of the enemy. And while we can try really hard to cover it up, cover up all the stuff going on on the inside. We can make excuses for our thoughts. We can make excuses for our words and our actions. But you know what? On the inside, you know you're still struggling. We're still striving. We're still wrestling with this enemy on the inside. 
So over 3,000 years ago, King Solomon wrote these words. He said, above all else, above everything else you could possibly ever do, above your degrees, above your bank accounts, above your <coughs> accomplishments and sporting achievements, above everything else, he says, guys, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because it is the wellspring of life. Everything flows from your heart. And that's some great advice. Right, you, you could leave here right now and, and walk out of here with some good stuff to help you in your life. How's your heart? I'm not asking how your behaviours are. I'm not talking about how you, all the stuff I can see. I'm talking about the stuff I can't see. The stuff that you're thinking, the stuff that you're consumed by. The stuff on the outside. The stuff we, even in Jesus' day, all the religious people were trying to do the right thing. They were obeying the law. They were doing, they were going over the top and they were so good at doing stuff on the outside. But on the inside, they were messed up. They were more concerned with their behavior than the condition of their heart. Jesus said this regarding the religious people. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, we may be able to sound good, look good, act good. We may have memorized the Bible. We might, we might be able to pray the longest prayers. We might have given lots of money over the time. We might be able to sing the greatest harmonies. But it doesn't really matter if our hearts are far from God. Jesus said, for out of the heart, from the heart, come evil thoughts. Hang on, now evil thoughts come from our minds, don't they? That's, no, no, Jesus is saying... Evil thoughts come from an evil heart. Because out of the heart, everything happens. Out of, and you, so not only just our thoughts, but our actions, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander, these are what defile you. And where do they come from? They come from our heart. They come from the inside. We, we have messed up thoughts because we have messed up hearts. All of this starts on the inside. How's your heart? How's things going on the inside? How do you go when you're alone? Above everything else, guard your heart. At this stage in this message, you'll probably go, okay, Mark, I think I get it. On the inside, you might not tell the people around you, but on the inside, you probably say, I've actually probably got some heart issues. You know, if you're at a doctor, if you're in a physical sense, you've got some symptoms and you can, you can identify them, maybe shortness of breath, Maybe, I don't know, I should have asked the doctors to tell me, what are some symptoms of heart issues, doctors? Chest pain. This is your moment to shine, you two. <laughs> Feeling of dread, fear, sweatiness. Lots of, you can talk to them later if you need to, okay. You, can reckon, you, might, be able to, you, you might be able to recognize some of the physical things. But do you recognize the signs spiritually when your heart is under attack? Do you know what's going on in your life when, when all of a sudden things are happening that you think, I'd, I'd, this is not what I want, this is not what I planned? And so you might be thinking, well, Mark, I've, yeah, I have got a heart issue, but what can I do about it? I've had this issue for years. I've been struggling with fear for years. I've been struggling with this addiction for years. I've been think, struggling with my, uh, figuring out my identity for years. I've got no, uh, Mark, I'm stuck in this place. I know I've got a heart issue, but I don't know what to do with it. And you know what? If, if, if I lived your life, 
and I had the circumstances that happened to you and the words that were said over me and the, the situations that have been, the, the hurts that have been inflicted on you by people you love or by teachers or by, by, by church people or by Christians or whatever, chances are if I'd lived your life, I'd probably be struggling in the same way as you are with my heart. I've got my own struggles. You've got your own struggles. And, and Solomon's saying, guys, we need to guard our hearts. If it was easy for you to deal with your heart stuff, you would have dealt with it already. If it was simple, you would have dealt with it and moved on. But it's not easy. So the purpose of this message, these messages isn't just a diagnosis of heart disease. Rather, I want to help you see a treatment plan with the help of God's Word and the help of God's Spirit. Because God doesn't want us to remain like that. God doesn't want you to go through life with a messed up spirit, with a broken heart. You know, when I see my kids struggling with things, I watch them and it grieves my heart to see them struggle. To struggle with guilt. Yes, they do bad stuff. Struggling with fear, struggling with, with uncertainty, struggling with identity. When as a parent, as we watch children, <coughs> we don't want them to do that because we know if they, if they don't resolve that now, through the re their rest of their life is going to be affected. God's exactly the same. He sees you in your struggle. He sees you in the space where no one else sees you. He sees the, the, He knows that your heart affects everything. He's watching you and he says, I can help you. You don't need to struggle with this forever. What you're facing now, doesn't. Need, you don't need to carry out what you carried in. He's watching you and he's given us <coughs> his word and his son and his spirit and his people to help us to deal with the matters of the heart. He wants us to walk in hope and healing and freedom. That's how he wants us to live. Thanks. The enemy wants to see you crippled and broken and messed up. God wants to see you walking in life. God wants to see you flourishing. God wants to see your, your friendships and your family and your, your marriage and your workplace. He wants to see it flourish but it starts with your heart. So God wants us to live with a clean heart and a clear conscience. And so I'm going to try to attempt in the next 20 minutes to talk about the first two assassins. I want to talk about guilt and his brother called shame. And I want to talk about anger. And so I've done these last year. And I spent probably a good three or four weeks on them. So I'm only going to skim on it. I'm not going to, no one come to me and said, Mark, but you missed that bit. I know I missed it. I'm, get the CD. But, but I need to get you to where I want you to get to today. The first one, this is a massive. It's, you can't cover guilt and shame in, a, in, in, in 10 minutes, let alone 10 weeks. And so I want to introduce some ideas and, and I also want to up front and center say after the service, I've already talked to our prayer ministry team and I said, you know what, what I share today might actually be challenging for some of you. And so be prepared if there's people who need ministry afterwards, be ready for that because, because your heart is so important. I don't want anyone to walk out of here without the opportunity to deal with heart stuff. And so um, those, next week I want to talk about these two, or next, the next two weeks jealousy and greed, because all those things have a massive impact on our heart. And so let's start with uh, 
with guilt and shame. Guilt is not necessarily a bad emotion. It's the feeling we get on the inside when we cross a line. God places that in us for a very good reason. <clears throat> guilt acknowledges, you know what? I was wrong. When it comes to our vertical relationship with God, guilt says, Lord, I, I, I know that I've, 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 I've stepped over the boundaries on how you want me to live and I'm living the life I want to live disregarding you. And this thing called guilt arises. It's, 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 a, it's a natural thing that happens. It also happens relationally in a, in a horizontal relationship when we cross into someone else's world. Guilt says, you know what? On the inside, guilt says, you know, I was wrong. You may not know what to do with it, but on the inside, you know that you were wrong, that we did something that compromised our values or compromised God's values, or we did something that impacted somewhere, someone else. This thing called guilt happens, and that's a good thing. You want that to happen. You don't want to, you don't want to live a life without guilt. Unresolved guilt is the issue. It's when you don't know what to do with the guilt you do have. We all face it. We all face guilt too often. When you say, oh, I said that, but I wish I didn't say that. I, I, I did that, and I wish I didn't do that. Because the actions that I had had a, a ripple effect that affected my marriage or my kids or my family or my friends. Guilt. It's a weapon we can use against other people. It's when, when someone does something to us and we use guilt as a weapon and we effectively say, you owe me. <coughs> you owe me. You've, you, you've done something to me, now you owe me. That's what guilt does. It hangs over us like an unpaid debt. Guilt keeps us awake at night. It keeps us turning and wrestling in our sleep. It, take, it, it fills us with dread. It fills us with fear. And that's not what God wants. If you're wrestling with those things, you've got to understand, this is not what God wants for my life. Maybe we need to talk, I think we need to talk to God and find out what's going on on the inside. Because at that stage, you've got some assassin attacking your heart. And you need to resolve guilt. It poisons our heart. It eats away on the inside. Unresolved cripples our hearts, it cripples and erodes our relationships, both vertically with God and horizontally with others. Guilt doesn't go away. Sometimes, sometimes guilt will turn into shame and eventually it turns into anger. I let God down. I let, I let them down. I let my friend down. I let my husband or my wife down. I let, I let, I let myself down. We need to resolve guilt. The reality is we can't unsay what we said. We can't repair always what we broke. And God doesn't want any of his children wrestling with this guilt. It's a burden. It's like a pile of rocks that we carry around and I can see it. I can see it in people. You can see them burdened by their, their choices that they've made over the years ago and they're still carrying guilt from that. And God wants you to let go of it. He wants you to drop it. It robs us of the abundant, free, the Zoe life that, that Debbie was talking about. 
the fullness of life. And the good news is, there is good news when it comes to Jesus made a way for us to deal with guilt. That's good news. Jesus came and paid a debt that he did not owe because we had this debt that we could not pay. The punishment for our guilt, because bottom line is yes, we have crossed the line, we have violated God's values and God's, and God's plans for our lives, and so we got this thing called sin, and we got this thing called guilt, and the only way we could ever deal with that is understanding Jesus took upon, this is the cross, the message of the cross, that Jesus takes upon himself our sin, our shame, our guilt. He took it upon the cross, and he took it to the grave. And he gives to us upon the cross, he gives to us his righteousness. He gives to us his freedom. He gives to us his, uh, his, his clarity of freedom, of the clarity of thought, a clear conscience. Through his Holy Spirit, our, the Bible tells us in, in Hebrew, Hebrews that our, that our hearts are sprinkled clean with the blood of Jesus. And our bodies are washed in pure water. That's what God wants for you. You don't need to carry around this guilt any longer. The debt was settled on the cross and our guilt, our sins was cleansed. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we, if you're, I mean, if you're visiting you know, that, that, the, the Christian church, that's why we love Jesus because we've got an understanding, a revelation of everything the cross accomplished and because of his blood, I can be set free from guilt. Not from the stuff I did 20 years ago, but not from the stuff just yesterday. All my guilt, all my sin, all my mess, all cancelled, all washed clean by the blood of Jesus. That's why we love Jesus so much. <clears throat> we saw that the antidote to guilt is forgiveness. It starts by putting ourselves in a place where we can receive God's forgiveness. And the promise is, John tells us that he is faithful and just that if we confess our sins, because confession is the way we receive forgiveness, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. Is that right? All unrighteousness. And so forgiveness is the antidote to guilt. That's how if I've wronged someone, if I've wronged God, the only way I'm ever going to get that situation resolved is God says, that's fine. That's okay. And the way that I receive that is by me going to God and saying, you know what, God, I'm messed up again. Here I am. This is my prayer life, basically, every moment. Hi, it's Mark again. Messed up. So sorry. Need your help. I don't want to walk like this. Thank you that you've forgiven me already. And so James tells us, so forgiveness is the antidote. Forgiveness starts with confession. James tells us to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. And I shared this last time. I, you know, sometimes we're thinking we can just tell God, God, I'm sorry that I, that I, you know, that I hurt Ali. And God's saying, well, I'm not the one that's got to forgive you. She is. So instead of telling me, why don't you tell her? And so James is reminding of this as well. Sometimes, in fact, when we deal with our horizontal relationships, the best way you can find healing and forgiveness is to take the time and say, you know what, I'm sorry. You know what, I said something, I did something. And I know some of those things we've say and we do are massive. I know some of the things we say and do have had consequences that are painful and hurt you deeply. 
But the only way you're ever going to find freedom from guilt between one another, the only way you're going to find healing, as James would say, is to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. See, the goal of confession isn't just to feel better about yourself. It's to change, to guard your heart, to purify your heart. The story of Zacchaeus showed us when, when he came before Jesus, he understood that he'd done wrong and his life changed when he, when he, when he would give back to the people he stole from. Life change is what confession is about, defining peace with God and with others. And on a practical note, our church has some wonderful ways that, because as I said before, some of the stuff we're dealing with is tough. Some of the stuff you've, we've done is hard. And some of it really needs some time of, of people gathering around you, declaring God's word and God's life over you. It requires you spending time before God and allowing his Holy Spirit to speak life into your heart. <clears throat> As a church, we've got, we've got a, a number of prayer, personal prayer ministries which are a great pathway to find freedom. God wants you to be free. Tell the person next to you, God wants you to be free. Free from guilt. You don't need to walk out of here carrying that burden of guilt anymore. It's true. Do you believe that? Jesus, Jesus paid for that guilt. He, paid, he, he took upon himself your guilt and your shame. And the problem is we take it back off him and put it back on our shoulders. And so two, two ways you could got, um, uh, we've got a great VMTC ministry. Peter Donahue runs a great team running VMTC, Victorious Ministries Through Christ. And I'd highly encourage you, if you, wanna, if you need to wrestle through some of this stuff, with some others, talk to Peter or Chris, and they will more than happily talk to you about that. Another one we've only just recently started, it's what Ali was talking about before, is Sozo. It's, a, it's another personal prayer ministry, and we've got some training for it next week if you're interested. But in the end, I mean, with, with, let's use AJ's for example. It's not a matter of how did I get cancer. And I'm sure he's not wrestling with how did I, how did I get it. The, 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 the action is what do I do to get rid of it? And so, so as you look at your life, it's not a matter how did all this stuff, yes, this stuff happened, but what do I need to do to walk in freedom? And there's two ways you can do that. Is to talk to, to Ali, talk to Peter or Chris or Andrew or, or our, our team that pray, prays after the service. So that's guilt. And you've, there's a pathway. I'm happy to move on because I've given you a pathway. I've given you a next step. It comes from freedom with, with, with God. It comes from asking his Holy Spirit just to come and show you areas, perhaps, that burdens that you're carrying, hurts that you're carrying. And as Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my burden upon you. Let him take your burden off, and his burden is light and easy, and will give you rest for your soul. So let's move to the next one. Anger. Here's another big one. Guilt says, I owe you. You know, I just feel so bad. I feel really bad. I hurt you. I walked out on you. I said this. I did this. I stole this. And I just feel so bad about it. Guilt is saying, I owe you. Anger is the flip side. Anger says, you did that to me, so you owe me something. You have, you have done something to me. You have hurt me. You have disappointed me. 
You have abused me. You've taken from me. You've neglected me. And you must pay me back. And that creates anger toward other people. And it affects us more than we know. We may be able to cover it up for a while. You may be able to, to cover up anger like, like uh, not that I use it, but makeup on a woman. And all of a sudden you haven't got waterproof mascara on and, uh, and stuff comes out and all of a sudden you know you should have put the other mascara on. Is that true, ladies? Is that factual? How about Bruce Banner? Bruce Banner, he could conceal the Hulk. He could try very hard to slow his heart rate down, hard to, to slow it, to, to practice, go, go and meditate and, 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 you know, find peace and ease and mu- put what reflective, beautiful music on. He could do all he could to try to conceal it, but it only took one poke, one prod, and all of a sudden that ugly green thing came up inside. And for many of us, that ugly green thing comes up at when, when someone cuts us off at the traffic lights. When, when, when someone jumps in the queue in front of you at Aldi, seriously, I've only got two things to go through and you've got a trolley, or why won't you? And all of a sudden, Angus, you, you, where did that come from? Well, Jesus tells me where it came from. It comes from my heart. There's something inside of me that's getting ticked off at someone else. You, you, I am I just talking to myself here? What do you do with anger? Because anger changes the way you treat your husband or your wife. It changes the way you treat your kids or your parents or your friends. It changes the way you treat the person just trying to serve you a Happy Meal. And they get it wrong. That's probably my issue, I think. I should make a cranky meal. I don't like it when they get my meal wrong. And the problem is when you go through a drive-thru, you're already halfway around the block and you discover it. Then what do you do? You go back and you... And you do go back. Who goes back and gets their meal right? Good on you, Mark and Wayne. All right. But you can do it nicely, though. Anger affects every part of our life. I'm not going to ask the doctors because they failed me in my last quiz... But anger, anger can affect your health big time. Anger can create all sorts of trouble in your, in your health, in your body. It, it manifests itself with all, all, all sorts of signs and symptoms. Anger also affects your relationships. It affects how you, how you deal with, with, with your, that situation that occurred. It didn't, you didn't need to have a big fight about it. Anger all of a sudden comes at like a big, ugly, green hulk. And it, before you know it, you're saying stuff, you're doing stuff that you wish you didn't do. Anger also affects our relationship with God. It destroys us. We get angry. Ah, I'm ticked off at God. God didn't do that. God said he would. All of a sudden, we find ourselves offended by God. We find ourselves saying, God, you know, you owe me that. You told me this, you said this wouldn't happen, and now it has, and I'm not impressed. Now, it's okay to be angry with God. It's okay to express your frustrations at God. If you don't think it is, read the Psalms. It's full of it. It's full of a a, a human struggling with the stuff of life. But what I love about the Psalms, he doesn't stay angry with God. He would vent at God, but then he would say, 
but my heart will trust you, but I'll put my hope in you. And so anger affects every part of our life. And Paul tells us, Paul gives us some advice how to deal with it, and you won't like it though, because it requires something from you. It's much easier to be angry with the person who did that. And it's much easier to carry that around for the rest of your life until the day you die. But God gives us a key. As I said, I'm only touching on this. This This is not the only message you need to hear. This is not the only time you need before God to deal with anger. Paul says this. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Paul says simply, it's easy to say this, it's hard to do it. Paul says, get rid of it. What? Just get rid of it. It's destroying you. It's eating you up. It's, it's, it's polluting your marriage. It's polluting your friendships. It's, it's polluting your thought life. This thing called anger is having so much impact on your life. It just got to get rid of it. It's destroying you. And you need to remember, God's not going to tell you to do something that you can't do. The reality is for us to get rid of this. We need his help. We can't do it by ourselves. We need God's help to get rid of anger. And I'm going to tell you what the, and you probably know this already, I'll tell you what the antidote to anger is in a minute. Chances are, if you've got anger lurking around right now, if you're angry that, my, that it's just past 11 o'clock and I haven't finished yet, if you're angry that that, that, that thing hasn't happened yet, chances are you've got this assassin taking a target, taking a shot at your heart. And you've got to guard your heart. Remember that bit? You've got to, you've got to be careful. You don't allow this, this enemy to, to attack this heart. But it's your choice. If you haven't got rid of it yet, chances are you're choosing to hold on to it. Or maybe you haven't had someone to, maybe you need someone to help you. Maybe some of our prayer ministries can help you to figure out how to get rid of it, how to let go of it. And we've got to get rid of all of it, get rid of all anger. Not 95% of your anger toward that person, but all of it. Getting rid of anger is more important than, than getting even. And you're probably thinking, you know, Mark, I've got a right to be angry. You probably do have a right to be angry. He owes me. She, she owes me. They, they probably do owe you. They, they, they did me wrong. They, they, they broke their promise. They failed me. I've got every right to be angry. And yes, you do. And your anger is probably well justified. But if you hang on to it, it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. I don't know how deep your wounds are, but I know that you will never find healing for your wounds by hanging on to anger. What they did, what they said, how they treated me. I know that anger will destroy you and the people that you love the most will get destroyed by anger. We've got to get the junk out of our hearts. Getting the junk out is more important than getting even or getting what you think is right. How do we do that? 
That's the $20 million question. How do we let it go? I thought of singing just then, but I chose against it. Yeah, yeah, don't know. How do we, how do we dig this ugly assassin that's, that seems to be embedded in our lives for the last decade or two or six months? How do we, we you, you, it's your choice. You can choose to allow him to have free reign in your mind. Or you can choose to deal with it. One more verse will give us the key to this. And so before we said with guilt, the antidote was confession. And this week, this, this time, the antidote to anger is found here. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and there's the word, forgiving one another. Here's the antidote. I'm, but I'm angry. I know. And, I, and, and I, I'm rightfully angry. Yes. How do I get rid of this? You've got to forgive. It's not easy. And uh, I shared last time, I think it's just important just to quickly summarize this. When, when I say forgiveness, it's really important to understand that forgiveness is not a feeling. You don't need to feel like, you know, they, they've hurt you. Yes, yeah, painful, I know. I don't feel like forgiving them. You won't. You don't need to feel like forgiving them. You, you, will never, you may never feel like forgiving them. Your feelings, in fact, are the enemies in your heart against dealing with forgiveness. We, you can forgive without feeling like forgiving. Forgiveness is, this is important, it's not sweeping it under the carpet. When I ask you, when God asks you, it's not when God asks you to forgive. It's not saying what they did to you was right. It's not, it's, it's not saying it's acceptable at all. It's not sweeping it under the carpet and saying, oh, well, let's pretend it never happened. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to trust them straight away. You can forgive. forgive forgiveness is a gift. Trust may need to get earned back. Forgiveness doesn't take away their responsibility for their actions. The person who wronged you, and we saw this through the, without making a political or social comment regarding the Royal Commissions, or the trial of the Archbishop, Pell. I'm not, I'm not here making any comment on that. I'm just showing that consequences may occur. Forgiveness can be received, but consequences still may occur. It doesn't take away, just because you've done something doesn't mean that there may not be some consequences to that, but, you've been, but you can be forgiven. You can find forgiveness in that space. Forgiveness, this is a hard one, is not dependent on people saying, I'm sorry. This is really important because the chances are there's people in your world who have hurt you, abused you, wounded you, you may never see them again. And if forgiveness is purely dependent on them, well, they've got to say sorry. It's not going to happen. See, forgiveness is for you. It's to deal with the, it's to, to deal with the assassin in your heart. Forgiveness is simply a decision. It's a choice. John Marks, I hear you preached a great message last week. Thank you for sharing last week, John. 
on choices and decisions. Forgiveness is like that. It's a choice, it's a decision. I'm going to choose today that although they've hurt me and they've disappointed me and they've wounded me, I'm going to choose to stand on the side of forgiveness. I don't feel like it, but I know this is what God calls me to do. And this is what God asks me to do. Remember, God's not going to ask you to do something you can't do. That would be awfully mean of him to ask you to do something you can't do. If he's asking you to forgive through the help of his spirit in you, you can do it. You can do it. You might have been wrestling with it for decades, but you can do it with God's help. It's a daily choice. There's just so much more content in that. I'm not even going to try to go any further in that. But uh, I'd encourage you, this is a great opportunity for you to talk to God about it, read what God's Word says, get some help with our, some prayer ministry if you need, because, because forgiveness will help deal with that anger. It'll help deal with that stuff that is eating you away like a, like a cancer on the inside of your soul. So now we're sort of up to date. That's four weeks of messages compressed into a little bit longer than 30 minutes. Raised a lot of questions, perhaps. Challenged your mindset, perhaps. Maybe I've shared some stuff that you're uncomfortable with or stuff you've just got to go home and talk to God about and process it. Maybe you came in here this morning feeling pretty good about yourself, but now you're not feeling... In fact, last time I shared, I think Fiona told me, you were feeling good to come and you left feeling bad. (laughs) Everyone say, oh... (laughs) I don't want anyone to feel bad. I want to point that there's a next step here. There is a solution. There is a way, there is a pathway of freedom and peace and joy and a guilt-free, talk about a guilt-free chocolate cake, we've got a guilt-free salvation in Jesus. There's no such thing as a guilt-free chocolate cake, I get that. But there is such a thing as a guilt-free Christian walk in Jesus. I might get our, our kids up, thanks. And so, um, not kids. I'm getting angry now. So, um, these are kids. Ben turned young, younger than me yesterday, so he's still a kid. Nia, Steve, oh, well, Steve, that's his. Act like a kid, okay. You know, as a parent, when my kids are struggling, it hurts me. And when you're struggling, it hurts God. He is, show, he, he is saying, I, that he is, like as a parent, I can make myself available to my kids. God's saying for you that he is available to you. He doesn't want you to carry that burden into tomorrow. We don't need to stay in this place. And this is why the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, the same Holy Spirit inspired Solomon to write those words. He said, guard your hearts. The enemy's trying to attack. He's trying to attack with guilt and shame. He's trying to attack with anger and and and, and we'll talk about jealousy and greed in the weeks ahead. Got to guard your heart. The message of the cross is that Jesus came into the mess of our lives and provided a way for you and for me to find forgiveness and freedom. Jesus made a way for you to find forgiveness and hope. Back to this verse. 
A thief is only one thing in mind. This is the Passion Translation. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. That's the assassin. That's the one trying to get into your life and trying to, trying to steal and, and, and slaughter you on the inside and destroy. But Jesus didn't stop there. I love what Jesus says. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That's the line. That, that's the choice. You can live in, a, live in a place, choose to live in a place where the enemy has free reign. Or you can choose to understand what Jesus has spoken through his word and choose every day, I'm going to choose to live in a life of abundance more than, a, than I can ever expect. More love, more life, more grace. Life in its fullness. Until I, That's what Jesus wants for you. To be so full of overflowing of his love. And his peace, no room for guilt, no room for shame, no room for anger. This is our Father's good plans for his children. This is what Jesus came to give us. So as we restart this mini-series, ask you a simple question. How's your heart? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Let's just get really still before God. Get quiet before him and just understand that he's with you. He's with you here. He'll be with you tomorrow. His promise to never leave you. How's your heart? What's going on on the inside? Is there any anger? Any bitterness? Are you angry at someone? Did someone do something and it's just eating you up? Today is the day you can give it to Jesus. And saying, you know what, I'm more interested in getting healed than getting even. Or maybe you're carrying this thing called guilt. Today you can give it to Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray that as we take this moment, that you would just lovingly shine your torch into our hearts. Show us where those assassins are hiding. And with the light of your truth, your word, your spirit, Lord, that you can cast those assassins out. Lord, that we would truly know what it is to walk in freedom. Freedom from shame, freedom from guilt. Lord, help us to understand all that you achieved on the cross for us. Thank you for the promise of your spirit that fills us. And Lord, I pray that you help us show us how to guard our heart. That we won't give the enemy opportunities to step in. To affect us, to hurt us. Just while our eyes are closed, I just want to just very briefly ask, and then we'll finish the service. If you're here this morning and I've, when we were praying just then and the Holy Spirit was sort of with you, did God show anyone you've got some stuff in your heart that needs to get dealt with? Just give me a little wave. I want to just pray a declaration over you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are so good and kind. Lord, you are kind. Father, you are a kind dad. And for those this morning who felt that there's stuff they need to deal with, Lord, I just, I just know that you're not going to beat them up. Lord, but you'll come beside them through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you will walk them to a place of victory and freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, that I know all of us have got unresolved stuff. And Lord, I pray that with your help, we be prepared to allow you to do some heart surgery in us. That our hearts would be clean. And that we would truly know how to live the victorious, resurrected life that Jesus, you came to give us. Because you are the resurrecting king. And you're in the process of resurrecting our dead hearts. Resurrecting our brokenness and, and, and our, our ashes, Lord, that you can breathe life once again. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.